Welcome to our Empowered 305 podcast. I have today a very, very special guest. I'm elated at the fact that she's here and it's someone that a lot of us look up to and uh, she's very important in our community. Catherine Fernandez from The Welcome. Oh, Kenya, thank you so much. I'm so excited for your podcast. And you talk about mutual admiration. Um, I don't know if all your listeners and watchers know, but you are really an incredible woman, an incredible professional. And I've watched you just sort of (laughs) blossom over the years in your profession. And now you've expanded to this podcast. So I feel very honored that you have me here, and I wish you all the best. You're going to knock it out of the park. Oh, you're the best. Thank you. So I want um, a lot of our listeners and our viewers to know a little bit about uh, Catherine Fernandez-Rundle. Also, to me, as KFR. I will always call you KFR. (laughs) I've been called a lot worse. (laughs) KFR. I love that. She's a trailblazer in Miami-Dade County's legal landscape, is the first Cuban... American state attorney in Florida. Wow. Mm. With an impressive career spanning several decades, she has been reelected an astounding six times mm. since uh, assuming office in 1993. Yes, now, ma'am. That was a while ago. Yes, it was. <laughs> a few hair, gray hairs ago. <laughs> Notably, her seventh term as the county's foremost law enforcement officer commenced uncontested since 2016 election. Wow. Um, no, 2000. I think 2020, Kenya. I was I was contested in 2020, I, and I remember right. it well because it was in the middle of COVID. That's probably why no. you just missed it. I didn't miss it, unfortunately. <laughs> but no, but it, you know, out of those kinds of um, struggles, if you like, you learn a lot about yourself, and you learn a lot about what we can do better. And so I tried to think of it in a positive light. And during COVID, it really made me focus on my office, which is what I really had to do during COVID, as we all did. You know, touching on that, I think it's what keeps us on our toes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's that mirror that, that goes in front of us. Yeah, right. you kind of have to check yourself and make sure, you know, it's always a, a constant reminder. You're a distinguished scholar. You earned your bachelor's from... Nonetheless, <laughs> University of Miami. Here? That's you. Yes. Hey. I'm a Gator. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. My, All my of son, they've been playing really I good. Know, they've been doing well. They've been doing uh, awesome. No, yeah, and and my son was, was a awesome. Gator. So we had, a, had okay. one son was a Gator, the other was a Seminole, and I was the U. So it was good, <laughs> a hurricane. Yeah. So I know that you went on to get your master's degree in criminology from the prestigious um, University of Cambridge mm. Law School in England. Yes. It was a wonderful experience. My father was very upset. Yeah, I was very close to him. And the, Cambridge the Cub- is awesome. Cu- the Cuban in him wanted him, him, me here, you know, yeah. but it was a wonderful experience. I learned a great deal about myself, about the world, about other countries, about oppression, and other countries that really made me appreciate the United States of America, the freedom that we enjoy here. That's so very true. I had a guest um, not too long ago. He also went to Cambridge. He's a maestro of our Miami Symphony Orchestra. Oh, really? Maestro Madurat. Yeah, so we were talking about, I was like, wow, this is my second guest that actually went to Cambridge. Oh, my goodness. I have to go talk to him. He's awesome. We're alumni. Yeah, he's awesome. Is he American? He is Venezuelan. Venezuelan. He's Venezuelan, yeah. And against his parents' wishes, he also went to Cambridge. (laughs) 
<laughs> I get that. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot to share there. He was, he was, he's very proud. Uh, he should be. A, a very, very renowned uh, uh, musician. That's wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. So she went on um, to her commitment to public service and is deeply rooted in the inspiration she drew from her father, yes. Dr. Carlos Benito Fernandez. Yes. So I know Dr. Fernandez holds the distinction of being Miami's first Hispanic judge, not just Hispanic judge, Cuban judge. Yes, ma'am. And was a founding member of the Cuban American Bar Association. So in 93, Catherine Fernandez Rundle was elected as the association's first female president. Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> it was such a great feeling. And and out of that experience, first of all, the Cuban American Bar Association, they are incredible. Uh, this community can be so proud of them. Seeing how they started as a small group of feeling very isolated lawyers, and they got together and they said, we need to align with each other, support each other, and they did. And to where they've grown today, to the credit of all the members of the Cuban American Bar Association, all the presidents, the board members, the leaders, what they have built is such an incredible association of smart, dedicated civic leaders. So anytime I can be associated with CABA, it's a real source of pride. Oh, that's awesome. That's so very important. You've been the pioneer to so many things that have happened during your tenure, right? And I know one of the biggest achievements throughout your career is um, pioneering Florida's first domestic violence unit, and that's establishing a misdemeanor domestic violence court and spearheading Dade County's national acclaimed drug court program. Right? Yes, so. yes. Those, those are wonderful opportunities that just kind of came my way, and I was so able. Uh, I know we're going to talk about domestic violence today, but just a little background on that one. It's October, so. Yes, you're yeah. right. October is the month for domestic violence. And when I started on this journey to understand what domestic violence was, it kind of started in the courtroom. Because I would see all of these family members coming and going. And I would say, where does this violence come from? And then it took me into the home. And then when I started to look around the country and see what, what was out there in terms of domestic violence, something I could emulate, something I could implement here in Miami, there were only two in the whole United States. One was in Seattle, and the wow. other was in Westchester in New York. So if you think about it, it was so different to come from an urban area, very culturally diverse area. Um, but I learned a lot, and I just want to tell a quick story about when it really hit me that we were, um, we were in the dark ages in so many ways, all of us, myself included, about what domestic violence was and its impact on women, on the children. Yeah. And I remember I, was, I had a young woman who had been burned with a cigar, uh, over and over again by her, um, by her intimate partner. And she didn't want to go to court. I begged her to go to court with me. She did, and she fainted when it came time when she saw him in the courtroom. And the case fell apart, of course. But, and then we didn't have any counseling services for her. The second case I had involved a woman who was shot at, and we're talking you know, maybe, I don't know, 30 years ago, was shot at by her husband, her then husband. I begged her to go to court, stand still, stand strong, don't look at him, I'll be your voice, don't you worry. And the judge at the time, God rest his soul, he was unaware, like all of us were, he looked at me and he said, is that a crime? And mm -hmm. I said, Your Honor, he tried to kill her. 
It's attempted first-degree murder. He goes, ah, he missed. He, she should consider herself oh. lucky. And that's when I knew we had such a lot of work to do, right, uh, for all of us to learn the complexities of this victimology and how we were going to be able to permeate and penetrate through these myths of, of how do we break that cycle and how do we break through that silence that so many women, mostly women, yes. uh, suffer through. Because of my so many years of law enforcement, I've seen exactly, and I've yes. seen the changes for the betterment yes. right, of the victims and the way they break the silence. And I think coupled with that, I know something that you have done also, and it's been incredible to create that human trafficking, talking mm. about violence, the human trafficking uh, task force. I know that's huge under your belt. That's something um, that I know that you have been able to also, mm-hmm. that hits home because that's here in South yes. Florida. Well, one of the things I want to do, Kenya, is give back a shout-out to you and the police departments because, really, the poli- the way in which police, yourself and others, have responded to these calls for yeah. domestic violence has dramatically changed for the better, as you said. And then how we, as a system, respond to those arrests and calls for help has also dramatically improved the lives and, I believe, saved lives. And the other life that we don't always talk about is what I call the direct but often often the indirect victims of domestic violence, and that's children. And I'm, yes. I'm going to give you a thread there where I'm going with this. So we know from lots of studies over the years that children repeat what they see. They do what they see. And as common sense as that is, you think we would all get that, but they actually showed through evidence, which I'm very much an evidence-based sort of practitioner, is that those children later go on to be either the abuser or the abused. That's learned behavior. It's learned behavior. And to some extent, if they grow up to be an adult, some of that lingers with them through becoming a potential victim of human trafficking. The controlling nature the shame, you mentioned shame at the beginning. We Finally, we've been able to let women know you have no shame. Absolutely. The abuser is the one who Absolutely. should be ashamed. Yeah. You're the victim. And a lot of that, those elements are involved also in human trafficking. So that was another field that we needed to conquer and make sure that we were responding appropriately. And then you said something that is so critical. Myself and I've been many this, that I did not understand when human trafficking was. I thought I did. It's very complex. It's very complex. I, when you mentioned that to me 12 years ago, we'll say, I thought, in my mind, I envisioned children in cargo container ships being transported against their will. I I, I see. Yeah. Right? That's the beginning of what someone actually envisions as human trafficking yeah and it is so complex but i know there's there's something i know that you can shed light on and it has to be you to be the one to to, because you created that human trafficking task force and um it's coupled by different departments correct this is what i love about this big community we live in we're very if you ask me to describe it one word collaboration So once we understood what human trafficking was and we realized what you said, these are our boys and girls. They're here in our community. They're in our schools, our parks, in our foster care system. And so once we were able to understand what it was, the task force really is one that's made up of 40 40 different 
law enforcement agencies, police departments, all the local police departments, uh, Homeland Security, FBI, U.S. Attorney's Office, and we actually meet in, in what is called, I believe, is one, the one of its kind in the country, Human Trafficking Center. And if you haven't been, I would love for you to come see it because you're such a powerful influencer here in this community. And it's just... I have a couple of friends that have worked on that task force. And I have to tell you that they are elated at the fact that they have been able to um, make a difference. They have made a difference. They have definitely made a difference. And I've seen the arrest. And when you speak about it, you speak about it with passion because you know that it's it's hard to break those kids. And, And it's not just kids. I mean, it's just... There's so much because we're able to get them at that age, right? Yes. Rescuing them and then making a – so you got a whole bunch of competing interests here, right? One is get to the per- – have that person or someone they know make a phone call. Yeah. And we now have a hotline that goes right into the center to that task force that you mentioned. And the response, the reaction, the response team is amazing. We have police officers and victims advocates going out. 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning. So now you have a call and now you have a victim. Now you got to get some testimony from her because one of the other things you want to do is get that perpetrator. He's going on to the next victim, right? So those police officers, that task force, those victims, advocates, they work with the victim and we take her to the center where she can decompensate a little bit and get a little trust going and give me your phone. You know, you really want that phone because... Every, a lot of what the transactions are, where they met up for prostitution, what the John said, what the, what the pimp said, is located in that phone. So that evidence, I know you know this because this is what your practice is, but to get her to give us that is crucial to our cases. And, and it takes a special person to be able to, to build that rapport with the victim and be able to, just like the victim's advocate. Lots of people don't know that that's a, that's a mighty, mighty tool it that is. we have here in South Florida. And they do a phenomenal job. A phenomenal job. I think uh, so many lives have been saved. Quality of lives have been improved. Because I, I call them the care connectors. They All are, right, so yeah. the victim's they advocates are. are doing, a lot of us started this to make sure that the system didn't re-victimize the victims, right? Because it does. It's complicated. It's confusing. You're a victim. You're standing in the courtroom, and all you hear about is the defendant this, the defendant's not ready, the defendant's right to this, and you're a victim, and you don't understand what's going on. And often, you don't. the only person you have standing next to you was the prosecutor, maybe the detective. So that victim advocate is the one that tells you about the system, what to expect, what not to be afraid of, and then connects you. Care connects, so it's either to shelter. Humanizes. Humanizes. Yeah, humanizes the the complexity to what they're actually hearing because you, you're you already so, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and your folks do a great job. They do. Miami and Police Victims Advocate, who I see on a constant, they do a great job. They do an amazing job. Yeah. Uh, the Metro Day Police Department. Unsung heroes. Unsung yeah. heroes. Nobody are. sees them. They see you folks in uniform, not today yeah. on the podcast, but, uh, you know, your colleagues, and I see yeah. your colleagues in uniform, they see us in the courtroom. But, you know, they, those victims advocates, they're the ones that, in my office, we now have about 100 victim witness coordinators. Wow. Yeah, they that's, do an amazing job. That's awesome. I would love to do a piece on victims advocate because it's it's something that they do. They connect, they deal with Domestic violence, yes. they deal with so many. With Sexual the, assaults. Yep. 
they deal with um yeah the the you know uh, they deal with the families and that's hard the trauma that yes, they go through and they get all those resources and 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 get them you know ready for that and yeah they're they're special people sometimes if you're a victim of either human trafficking or domestic violence you often once you take that step right okay i'm gonna I'm getting away from this person that's abusing me, manipulating me, exploiting me, selling me, whatever it may be, beating me. Um, Now what? You need a place to live. You need rental assistance. You may have children. Where do they go? You might have a pet. There are all these things that women in particular, uh, men are victims too. One out of four victims is a man uh, of domestic violence. Um, Most of the victims of human trafficking are female. And almost all of them are aged between 13 and 24. Can you imagine that? Wow. That's so it's our children and our youth. So they need a place to go. Uh, they either go in the foster care system. We have therapeutic homes where they can go if they're under the age of 18. But if they're not, where do they go? So we have to, we have to find those. And it's not just shelter like roof, right, and food. It's a place that will treat them as a whole, will deal with their inner trauma, because otherwise they're going to flee. You know, when you're traumatized, there's two things, you fight or you go into flight. Mm -hmm. And so the trauma that is so deep-rooted is something that we as an office, I know you as police and these, your victims advocates as well as ours are very sensitive. We call ourselves trauma-informed and victim-focused. That's that's something very important. Can you tell our viewers and our and our listeners how does someone actually break the silence? Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of courage, but it also takes. And I'm I'm looking at hopefully someone in the audience either knows somebody or is someone who is being abused. It's very important. It takes a courageous first step. But once you take that first step, it's important that you know there's a safety net of services for you. You have no idea how many concrete, tangible, available people, services, places for you and your children and your pet are available to you. So don't hesitate to please break that silence. And if you won't do it for yourself, do it for your children because you don't want them to be part of that intergenerational cycle of violence that's great advice and Mm -hmm. it's so hard to actually get them right to to break that and and it's about the the constant awareness that we have to tell people but um as kfr because you don't mind that i call you kfr no not at all (laughs) from you you could say anything can you i admire you so much and i thank you for bringing awareness to this it is key. It is key in because it's it's every day in our community. Yes. It's every day. And so um, what advice would you give aspiring legal professionals, especially those interested in public service, about making a positive impact in our communities? That's very easy. So if anyone's interested in coming to the Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office, you can call me directly. Kenya knows how to find me. But she, oh, I'll know how to find you. <laughs> she does. And she has a whole team here in this studio that all know how to find me as well. And the reason I say that is because there's so many different careers. It's not just being a lawyer. There are lots of different careers. You heard Kenya and I talking about victims advocates. You can have a direct impact 
on saving someone's life or improving their quality of life. There are bailiffs, there are court reporters, victims advocates, there are public services, a police officer. Uh, being an assistant state attorney, let me tell you, it is one of the most greatest rewards you can find because you're fighting not just for one person, you're fighting for the whole community. You're trying to keep everybody safe. You're making important decisions every day about the case that you have, what's a just outcome. You're, you're a voice for the voiceless, the powerless. You can actually go into court and make changes and huge reforms on a big level and on a small level. So, I mean, I, I, you can do it for on the other side as well. But I, I tell my office, and I know you believe this, um, I think uh, I have the best team in America, and I That's say true. that to them, and I say, and we all feel that way. So please come, come join us. Uh, private sector is great; they do a lot for our community in other ways. But there's nothing like public service. It is so rewarding. Uh, there are many, many times I could have left public service, but every time, I just would say, I've got it. I'm going to have an empty hole in my soul of purpose. And so I've been very blessed to be able to do this, and you can too. That's why I continue to do public service at some level, right? Here, Absolute. doing what I do. Of Look course. at you. It's important. It is. It's it, about informing and, and helping. And, you know, I'm sure that we're going to touch the lives of a lot of people oh, yes. who are watching and, and hearing us. It is because we have you, and you kind of broke it down for us. You broke it down, yeah. and... and and there's so many components and so many moving parts. Really but first and foremost, and I think you would agree, it's about breaking the silence. It really is about breaking and there the is, silence. And um, there's, uh, I know that the, you've set up a hotline for that, correct? For we, domestic violence. Yes, ma'am. It's 305-547-0140, or you can go to MiamiSAO.com. And one quick thing, because you're so good at this, and I'm sure I've oh. got your time, but immigration. One thing a lot of victims don't know mm -hmm. is if you are, have a questionable immigration status, um, we, we don't look at that. Um, but if you are a victim of a crime, there are U visas that we can get for you. So don't let your immigration status be another piece that oppresses you or makes you feel controlled or helpless. You're not helpless. You can say that in Espanol too, right? <laughs> <laughs> Looking ahead, before I conclude our podcast, what are your, your priorities um, for your current term? Do you have any priorities that you feel that you still need to do? I've got a number of initiatives that I need to complete. So thank you for asking me. Well, first and foremost is I need to reboot re, um, the state attorney's office because, because of COVID and the cost of living in, in Miami-Dade County, and I'm not alone, every public service agency and private sector is suffering from this cost of living. But I'm down, uh, just, I don't even want to tell you, I'm dozens and dozens upon dozens of lawyers. So that's really one of my first priorities that I need to do this year. Fortunately, we have a very sensitive uh, Speaker of the House, Speaker-elect, uh, Danny Perez, who's going to be, from, he's from Miami, he cares about this community. So that's going to be something that's a big priority, legislative priority of me, mine. And then three other initiatives. Um, one is I really want to finish what we talked about off 
camera, I believe it was, the elderly yes. and vulnerable adult abuse. That's going to be our next podcast. That is going to be. I and think that's key. We're built, we've started it, we're building so just it. remember, we're going to talk about We're going to come back. It's called, we call it Eva. So I've got some detectives on it now. I need to boot that up and get it going, get it the awareness, just like we did with human trafficking, domestic violence. And then the other thing is HOAs. Homeowners associations are a critical problem for this community, not just this community, Florida. Over 50 million Floridians live in either a condominium association or a homeowners association. Wow. So a lot of people feel a lot of them are good. Don't misunderstand me. I live in one, and it's very good. But there are a lot that are not. There's, uh, we have over 400 complaints in our office about theft, embezzlement, exploitation of the elderly, and costs going up, and so on and so forth. So I've just started a really another unit on that, and I want to see that through. And we're going to talk about it. Definitely. Excellent. Thank you. I can't um, wait to talk to you about a number of other things, but those I know are, we did speak off camera about that. And I think the elderly, we talked about the children, we talked about um, domestic violence, but you have an extended invitation Thank to you. talk to us about the elderly because they are a big part yes. of our community. 20% of our community and the majority of our growth is in the elderly. So thank you very much for allowing me to thank do this you. and come and be on your show. <laughs> You're such a, a star. Oh, and geez. I, Look who's a no, star. No, no. And thank you for doing this and getting the word out. Knowledge is power. And Absolutely. so you're empowering a lot of our community. Thank you very much and good luck. Thank you for joining us on Empowered 305. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.